Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Vox Podcast with Mike and Tim Stafford. Although I didn't recognize Tim Stafford when I saw his face on the Zoom call because Tim, for the first time in eight years, shaved off his beard. He is freshly shorn like a lamb about to... What happens when they shear the sheep? What happens then? I'm pretty sure they get slaughtered. Okay, like a lamb before the slaughter. (laughs) Tim... um, Tell us about your face. I haven't seen it. I haven't known you without the really magnificent mane of hair around your face. Uh, tell me about your face. I can see wow. now, just to be honest, why you've kept it on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me too. No, no. The moment that I shaved it off, I was because I, I don't re- I don't recognize myself, nor <laughs> uh, did I remember what I looked like, and I, for one, don't have a chin. Oh, and I and I somehow had forgotten about that in the years that uh, that that glorious mane was covering. It's my okay. Face. I have extras if you want one. <laughs> so do I. Apparently, <laughs> I found that too. <laughs> All sorts of new revelations from the beard shaving. Oh, I know. Wow. And um, looking back on it, on that decision, do you feel like that was a good decision? Or had you had, were there other influences at play? Um, We're in the apocalypse. I don't know if folks know that or not, but um, California is having a rough go again. It's been in the hundreds. And there's multiple fires with tons of smoke. So the sun is like blood red every day. Ooh, that's the moon a sign. last night looked like one of those that's Halloween Oreo cookies. That's a like sign. Orange cream. Yep. Yeah. It's been gnarly. The kids are wearing masks normally out, but now they just don't take them off because yeah. you can't breathe. Yeah. Dang, dude. It's weird. So I was like, yeah, I'll shave my beard. And then I did part of it and I was like, that was a mistake. You know what you did? I mean, I don't even, I don't even know that you appreciate your environmental awareness you shaved your beard to stand in solidarity with the forests that are burning that is exactly what i meant when i said what i just said (laughs) (laughs) so now there are these barren landscapes and there is also one on your face and um i just dude that's that is the kind of social justice at you know uh advocacy that it's meaningful to me. I so may not well be the hero that you want, but I'm the hero that you need. <laughs> oh man! Well, welcome to the show. Um, before we before we go on to our uh, Sermon on the Mount portion today, um, we we've got some critiques coming in, and uh, as always, this is a hopefully a, a form of dialogue, if not immediate. But um, we had somebody who was a bit upset about the tone of the sky episode go ahead and read that and then let's respond to it so this is the previous episode with uh with sky on q on conspiracy theories and this was a comment on instagram i am a big fan of mike and the podcast i have to confess this episode was very difficult for me to stomach the criticism laughing while doing so of people who espouse secret knowledge while at the same time assuming a position of arrogance while claiming to have some enlightened view on reality is very off-putting on a deep level. Just a couple episodes ago, we're lecturing on the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, etc., etc. Now we're lampooning folks who have views that don't align with your own. What kind of embodiment of Jesus is this? I think we can do better here. <laughs> Snap! 
Now, yeah. did you hear that laugh? That laugh was not planned, but that laugh is like, oh man, that's right. So, um, so first of all, let me just say officially, um, that, th- that derision or mockery has utterly no place in the polis of the kingdom of God. Absolutely. It is against everything we're talking about. So no question. I apologize. Um, I will walk in repentance and do better. No, no question. Um, I also want to say that, that often, not often, sometimes I laugh, not in terms of mockery. Uh, like we have an episode coming up um, with a woman named Kristen Howardson. She was a part of a church I led years ago. And she was sharing some stuff about um, our community. And I was laughing, not at the community, but at me. Uh, because I was guilty of some of the things that she was saying. So yeah. in, in the in the same way you just said this, you know, very gracious and direct critique, and I laughed, that wasn't mocking you. That was like, holy crap, that is that's really good and true and right. So right. um I, I didn't go back and listen to the episode. So I did. Yeah, was it bad? <laughs> I don't know. I this so this is a this has been a struggle for me and I, and so my wife has been very good at uh she's smarter than I am and she's more empathetic than I am and she's more compassionate than I am and she's more intentional than I am. She's just kind of a better person than <laughs> I am. I guess that's what it breaks down to, but um she has said in the past, you know, like I I want to share this episode with somebody because I think that what is being talked about is something that they could benefit from, but because of the tone, I can't oh. because it'll it'll cause people to to not listen. Right. And I have this I guess it's an it's a normal innate or my normal innate reaction to things is if I think that it's completely wrong, I will aggressively pursue that as being wrong. Right. And that doesn't, and that's not always the most like constructive way of, so I I got an, I found an example that I thought was really good of this. If I can just share it real quick, I won't read it, but just, so recently there was this guy, what was his name was Daryl Davis and he was, he's a black blues musician in the South and he was playing at this club and this white, this old white dude comes up to him and says, Hey, like, where did you learn to play like that? I've never seen a black man play piano like that. And they start having this conversation about uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And he's just like, I've never seen a black man play that way. I love Jerry Lee Lewis. And he's like, well, where do you think Jerry Lee Lewis learned to play like that? And they started this conversation. He's like, no, no, no. Jerry Lee Lewis invented this version of piano playing. He's like, no, that's Fats Domino and Little Richard. And so they start having this conversation, start having a beer. And then his buddy, the white guy's buddy is like, just tell him, tell him. He's like, I'm a member of the KKK. And he's like, and the, and the musician guy, Daryl Davis, like, I don't believe you. Uh, mm. And they, and then so the guy pulls out his card, his official membership card of the KKK. And, but they become friends. And so this guy, this Daryl Davis guy has this like revelation of like, they're sharing beers and he, he develops a friendship with this guy. The guy eventually leaves the KKK because of the friendship that he's developed with this guy. So he made it his mission to go and befriend as many KKK members as he can. And he did over 200 yeah. and they all give him his, their robes when they leave the KKK and he keeps them. So he has 200 KKK robes as a reminder that, and he talks about it being like that it's a thing about table fellowship. Yeah. Sharing a meal with people. And it's like, that's that version of that meeting with people who it's not just a ideological difference. It's, I mean, KKK, like it's a violent 
Like mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. the worst version of anything. Mm -hmm. And this guy, you know, it's not necessarily a ministry, but it kind of is, right? And yeah. He has changed the hearts of 200 people I don't think, who are just filled I don't with think hatred. Ministry gets purer than that. Right. You know what I mean? And so and that version of like put, there was no, like he wasn't just like, yeah. you know, F U K K K and blah, blah, blah. He, he dined with those guys and changed 200 hearts. Yeah. So I want, I want that version. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so obviously I'm not either. So, I'm more the Rage Against the Machine just to keep that theme going. <laughs> oh, but but listen. So to Shauna, Tim's wife, uh, and to this individual, and to all of you who felt that way, I'm I'm genuinely sorry. I, I don't want to be like that. And, and it's the very thing that the Sermon on the Mount speaks against, which is the self righteousness and posturing. Right. And, um, and, and of course it's pervasive everywhere, but my goodness, that is so not who we want to be, or I want to be, I do not want to be right. that at all. So thank you, um, for the critique correction. Uh, I receive that. And particularly if it comes from, um, if Shauna validates it, it's like, okay, well, that's just not acceptable because the goal of Vox has always been to be a place where people from all kinds of backgrounds, you know, feel welcome and, uh, yeah. and, and at home. No one wants an echo chamber. Right. We're not looking to build an army of like-minded people that we just talked to. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then there are times where I feel pretty strongly that something's wrong. Yes. And um, we should be able to critique it, but we should be able to critique it in a way that doesn't add offense. Yes. And um, so that's really that's good. That's really good. So so thank you. Thank you for trusting us with that. And thank you for, I don't know, just having guts to do it, put your name on it and let us receive it. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. And <laughs> it could not introduce <laughs> any more powerfully the topic <laughs> that Jesus is on today. And oh, have I failed this one, my friends. Uh, all right. So. Uh, we're going to have a reading. We're going to read Matthew 5, um, and, uh, and then we'll be right back. It was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subjected to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in, there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settles matter, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to the court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Where your adversary may hand you over to the judge, 
and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, will not get out until you have paid the last. You will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And the voice of an angel. That is Sweet Elliot, um, Tim's son. And um, I don't know. I'm a fan. I mean, I saw E.T. when I was very, very young. And Elliot, that name always just has like a purity and an innocence for me. So he was perfect yep, for I this. I won't say that that's who he was named after. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just a reminder. <laughs> We are trying to go through this magnificent teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount, where he introduces us to a a political entity called the kingdom of God. Its politics are neither left nor right nor religious. It is uh, the kinds of people who make up this polis are uh, the merciful and the mourning and the poor in spirit and the persecuted and the peacemakers. And it is precisely these people who are limping along in life, who are hungry and thirsty for God to do a new thing, who have room in their hearts for God. Um, It is those people who are now being held up to the nations as the signpost and the witnesses of the reality of the coming of the kingdom. And Jesus is engaging with his Jewish audience Um, very clearly that this renewal of Israel does not constitute the abolishing of the law or the Torah or the prophets. This really is the fulfillment of it. Jesus is going to show us what the Torah, what what it was properly interpreted, what that would look like as, as somebody played that out in real life. Jesus is the embodiment of Torah in human form. And um, he is going to critique the um, Zedekah, the righteousness of the scribes (laughs) and the Pharisees, which was proverbial in its nature because it was so extreme um, and so highly regarded by the people that it's, it's like saying the righteousness of Billy Graham Um, you must surpass that, you know, to enter into the kingdom of God or Mother Teresa. And you'd all go, what? Um, And so Jesus is now, and then he talks about the least commandments and the greatest commandments. Please listen to that episode again, if you would, because this this is where he begins to embody both a hermeneutic, which is a way of approaching scripture, but it is a way to identify the difference in the polis of his kingdom versus the, the, the political and partisan understandings of the, wor- the world. He's going to give us six examples in Matthew 5 of a, where he contrasts a light commandment with a heavy commandment. And uh, uh, six examples of, and, and in doing this, he's showing us what it means to fulfill or deepen the law and to interpret it properly. And he then begins to uh, indirectly create and form um, a people built around, these aren't laws, these are illustrations, built a, a, around the kind of rightness that Jesus himself is embodying, right? That's, I hope, Tim, does that all sound like review? Yes. <laughs> so here, Light and heavy, sadaka. Yes. Big words. Blessed are the meek. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's our, that's, those are our show notes right there. Palestinian. <laughs> yes, our Palestinian friend. <laughs> 
So when Jesus says, uh, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, but I tell you, all right, that phrasing is, um, it's, it's recorded later in the Talmud, uh, the Talmud, excuse me, of, of a way of introducing interpretive stances. So you have heard that this verse was taught this way. I'm going to tell you my interpretation of it. All right. So what Jesus is not saying when he says this, and this is where the but there, when he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you, the but makes it sound like you've heard that you've heard it said part was false. And now I'm going to correct it. Right. Jesus, that would go against Jesus, uh, Jesus's words about abolishing Torah. He's not doing that. He's deepening it. He's fulfilling it. He's illustrating the greater righteousness of his movement. So he's so so really the better translation of the word but is the word and you've heard that it was said long ago I and mm. I tell you this was yeah. standard rabbinical language to introduce an interpretation that was slightly divergent from the predominant interpretation of the day right so right. he's not contradicting Torah at all now there's one place yeah. where he where he contradicts a um, an interpretation of Torah absolutely but um, what Jesus is doing is revealing the heart of Torah from the very beginning. And the heart of Torah, as, as evidenced in Jeremiah later um, in the Torah or in the prophets, was the idea that you would have a new heart, that the covenant, the, this new covenant that God would make would be a covenant of the heart. And so Jesus now is saying, listen, you take the command, you shall not murder, which is the heaviest of commands, right? Um, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Take that heavy command. And Jesus aligns it with the lighter command of Leviticus. I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. All right. So the first thing he does is he introduces this rabbinical formula that says, you've heard it said, I tell you. And he yeah. takes a heavy commandment and equates it to a light commandment. Right. Uh, the heavy commandment is uh, one of the 10 commandments. You shall not murder. And the light commandment comes from Leviticus 19 which says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. All right, so you would have understood this as a very Jewish way of explicating Torah in the context of Jesus now illustrating the insufficiency of the rightness of the Pharisees and the scribes. All right, so this is all very yeah. Jewish stuff. So you've heard it said of the people long ago, you shall not murder. Now, the word for murder here um, is specific murder. It's not kill. Um, there was a different Hebrew word that Jesus could have pulled its Greek form from that has to do with any killing. So in, for the scribes of Jesus's day, a difference between murder and killing was this killing, uh, murder, excuse me, did not include accidental manslaughter or wars, uh, participation in the wars ordered by Yahweh, um, or, um, self-defense. So the, the prohibition is against the intentional taking of another life, all right? Mm. You shall yeah. not murder. Now, this, you know, the, there's all sorts of pacifistic um, conversations to be had out of that, out of that word. Um, but we're just going to just say for now, that word is the word, uh, the intentional taking of a human life. Um, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's true. The, the penalty in the Old Testament for murder was the judgment of the Jewish council, and that would be death. All right? I tell you that anyone who is angry 
with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. All right. So the same, so the same subject to judgment is applied to the heavy command and the light command. And the word anger here, there's two different words for anger. There's the word thumos, which is, it's like anger that's like a match. It flares up and then dissipates. Anyone with small children knows that version. (laughs) And then there is the word um, orge, where we get the word orgy. Just in case you were wondering. Um, Orge is an ongoing state of angering. So it is one, so what Jesus is, like the word literally means, um, he who is given into angering. It's a present passive participle. So the idea is that you're not just angry and fly off the handle. You are given over to angering. Yeah. All right. Which is, which is usually currently angry. Yes. Yes. I saw a great, I saw a great line somewhere this week. If if every, let's see, it was something like, if everything bugs you, everything is not the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's that kind of given over to angering, right? And that kind of angering um, towards a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So he's equating the two, the heavy and the light. And then he repeats it. But he adds contempt now. He has a, con- uh, a contempt, a name-calling, insult aspect to the angering. I tell you that anyone who says to a brother or sister, so that when he, when, when Matthew has Jesus using brother or sister, it's about the community of disciples. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, "Raka," right, um, or "You fool," uh, or I some, we need to put together a dictionary for this series. I know. Good Lord, like I know. Like a PDF we send out. Uh, so anyone who who uses an expression of contempt is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, you moron, will be in danger of the fire of hell. All right. So, Yow. yep. So his point is really, really simple. Anger. There is no place for anger in his kingdom. Now, we're going to qualify that importantly in just a little bit. But the kind of ang- given over to angering that is true of so much of us and our discourse, yeah. that is antithetical to the kingdom. Yeah. And it's subject to judgment in the same way that murder is subject to judgment. And in case you miss that, Jesus then re- repeats it twice more with the idea of insults and name calling. All right? So, uh, man, that just calls in a whole bunch of questions about judgment. Oh, bro. He's just getting warmed up. <laughs> I mean, this, forgive my language, but this is the biggest ass kicking in the history of the planet. What he's about to do. He's rolling up those robe sleeves. Oh, my Lord. It's Which can't be easy with no elastic. <laughs> you're on fire today. Literally, <laughs> you're on fire today. True. Truth. So, so the judgment is both, and, and this is the point, the judgment is both now and not yet. Yeah. So, so anger leads to judgment now, right? Crimes, um, name calling, which can lead to anger back and contempt back. But it also is eschatological in nature. In other words, anger, we will be judged for our anger. All right. So Jesus is, is giving an immediacy and a significance to our angering that not only attaches the same judgment towards murder. Now, obviously, murder has massively different consequences, right? We're not, yeah. we're not saying those things are equivalent, 
What we are saying, though, is if you dealt with this kind of angering, you'd never have murder. And you can't be angering like this and say, well, I haven't murdered anybody and somehow think you're embodying the righteousness of the kingdom. Right? Does that make sense? Yes. That's super important to understand. Jesus is now going to give two illustrations of what to do instead of angering. And, and they're really simple and they're the hardest things to do. The first illustration, the point is um, go seek forgiveness. And the second illustration is make friends. So there you go. <laughs> there it is. How do you deal with angering? Seek reconciliation and make friends with people. So the first illustration has to do with what happens when there's internal discord. All right. And Jesus, this is so hyperbolic. And this is, this is classic Jesus. You know, when somebody says like, that's so Tim, that this is so Jesus. Therefore, if you're at the altar in Jerusalem, now he's talking to people who live about 80 miles away, three days walk. All right. From this. If you're offering your gift in Jerusalem and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, it's not even that you have something against them. It's that they're pissed at you. Yeah. And he doesn't add with, with righteous cause or not. Yeah. All right. He says, leave your gift at the altar Go and and the and the the tense here is go and keep on going and be reconciled to them. Then coming off your off your gift. So literally, you're 80 miles away from Jerusalem, three days walk at least. And again, the 80 miles is a estimate. So you're literally you've you've walked to Jerusalem. You've spent money to buy the sacrifice. You're the priest is about ready to slaughter it, and you say, "Hold up, somebody <laughs> is mad at me." Six days. And I'll be back in six days. Now, Jesus, I mean, you, as part of his crowd, you would have understood what Jesus is doing here is using hyperbole, or as I like to call it, hyperbole, which is the correct, <laughs> as an English teacher, you're familiar with these things. Yeah, it sounds like, a, like the Super Bowl if it was in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, beardless means. Tim is going insane. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to Hyperbole 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and so i mean what jesus is saying is reckon anger is such if anger gets into the community it is a cancer that will destroy it and it's so unbelievably important it's more important than your worship yeah it's more important than your worship your worship matters jack squat if you're all given over to angering towards each other yeah oh Man, and I I used to really take this seriously in the sense of um, if my wife and I were arguing, I I told our way back in the day, I told our earliest college group, if I'm ever late, it's because my wife and I are arguing and we're not going to, I'm not coming there to teach until it's done. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't do that now, unfortunately, but um, there was something so powerful about, wow, that's the, that's the greater, that's the greater worship. Yeah. And then Jesus uses an example of, of an adversary, someone from outside of the community who's suing you. And then he says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison, and you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. 
Now, settle matters quickly with your adversary. That, that, that phrase has a, have a disposition of friendliness hmm. towards your adversary. Now, and, and notice it, it plays back on this theme of judgment. Go be reconciled. Again, it's, 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 the, um, it's the energy of urgency here. It is so important that you be reconciled because if you don't, judgment will have its way. Right. Right? Yeah. Holy moly. So (laughs) these are not hard to understand texts, even remotely. Right. Right? Just hard to do. Oh. So (laughs) the thing, and here's the thing. We want to, I mean, I've always taught that, okay, so I've got to watch what I call people. And that's not the point because Jesus actually calls Pharisees fools and a version of moron. And so... That, it, it, which I just find awesome. Um, and so Jesus, Jesus actually uses the language he outlaws here, which raises a very interesting question. Is there a place for anger in the Christian life? Yeah. And the answer, of course, is yes, but not the anger we're used to in practice. The anger, um, I mean, obviously, Jesus got angry. Right? There, there are three examples I can think of. Four, if you count the cleansing of the temple. It doesn't say he was angry, but certainly acted like it. One was where a man with a shriveled hand was in the, in the, um, uh, in the synagogue. And it was the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees were looking to trap Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath right. day. And Jesus picks a fight with them, has the man with the shriveled hand stand up, and he looks around, and it says, in anger. Hmm. Right? Anger. Um, there's another time when people are trying to bring kids, uh, children to Jesus to bless and the disciples keep the kids away for reasons we don't have time to get into. And Jesus is indignant. It says, um, the third time is when Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. We talked about this last time where Jesus is snorting in anger, right? He's, he's indignant. He's pissed to use very common language. So obviously it is possible to embody Torah and to be angry. Yeah. And even Paul quotes from, I think it's Proverbs, in your anger, do not sin. Yeah. So so is there a place for anger in the Christian life? Well, obviously it's a it's a an emotion that we share with God and we share with Jesus. And so I think the answer has to be yes. And you see Jesus being angry. The issue, however, <laughs> is that there is such a thing as righteous anger, but none of us, none of us know exactly what that's like. Because yeah. for us, all of our anger is righteous, right? There's never been one time I've flown off the handle and didn't feel I was in the right. Now, I may regret that down the road, but in the moment, as I'm given over to angering, right? In that moment, I'm absolutely convinced I'm right. Um, And so the tests I've learned to use about anger, where I look at what did Jesus get mad at and what did Jesus do with his anger? And um, what what Jesus got mad at was religious hypocrisy. Uh, Jesus got mad at those that would try to silence um, the, the disenfranchised from coming towards him. For those that would put up religious roadblocks to the Gentiles in the temple, like Jesus was angry 
about he was angry towards the religious establishment more than anything else right the woes that he gives the scribes and the pharisees yeah so um so is my anger (laughs) is my anger directed at the stuff that jesus was mad at is the first question or is my anger about oh i have to wait too long in this fast food line or this person cut me off in traffic (laughs) or you know somebody said something dumb on the internet um, and then the, the bigger question is, <laughs> what did Jesus do with his anger? Yeah. And it's fascinating because what Jesus did with his anger is in one case, he healed the man with the shriveled hand with the kids. Um, he welcomed the kids, the children, and blessed them. Yeah. With Lazarus, he rose Lazarus from the dead. And with the temple, he um, cursed the temple and then died to replace it. So... So I, the politic uh, that is called the kingdom of God, the reason when you get together with the poor in heart and the mourning and the meek and the persecuted and the peacemakers, that's not going to be a a community characterized by anger if they're in touch with um, how much they need and depend upon this Jesus, right? Um, Yeah. I only can get in touch with anger when I'm feeling superior or whatever. I mean, and I, and bro, I just, I have to tell the story. I so blew it this week. Um, and, and maybe this has to go with what the, the person that was critiquing us was bringing up because I, the episode on the QAnon had just come out and I had done a bunch of research on that. I just didn't know much about it. A bunch of research on it. I'm seeing it all over from dear friends. And um, we have someone close to us who watches Seth, and they they were kind of reporting in about Seth's day, and, and they said he hadn't been wearing a mask. And we were like, oh, well, we'd like you to do that. And why, didn't, why don't you wear masks? And this person said, well, because science. And then proceeded to kind of launch into this anti-mask, Fauci is a fraud, the CDC is pulling one over on us, deep state stuff that we just critiqued. Yeah. And I got so angry. And in my anger, um, I was unkind. I mocked. I, I laughed. I, how could you be this, you know, dumb? I mean, oh, it was horrific. Horrific. And so I'm sitting there. So I'm sitting there. And, um, you know, within 10 minutes, Jesus, (laughs) he just has this great line with me. Now it's me projecting this onto Jesus because I'm sure Jesus says it or whatever. But, but what I hear in my head is really? (laughs) (laughs) So I immediately, you know, ask forgiveness and apologize and I just feel awful. And, and then, you know, and this is all as I'm prepping for this one. You know, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, I am. It's like the prophet Nathan looking at David saying, hey, you are that guy. Um, And so I was so I was so in touch with the connection of anger and politics. Um, And then hearing that critique, it's like, oh, man, that's true. Um, Because what I what I want to say is um, so much of partisanship and the world is fueled by outrage and anger and contempt. And I'm not strong enough 
to participate and be fully immersed in partisan politics and not drift towards contempt and anger. Yes. And I, I don't know what repentance looks like for me. Um, I, I've, I've cut social media way, way back, way back. Uh, and I, and if I didn't have a, you know, some sort of employment that required some engagement with it, I'm not sure I'd be on it at all. Cause I'm, I'm seeing myself being formed into a certain kind of person. Yeah. Um, by these environments and not just by the environments, by my own heart, but, and so I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, this is the greatest indictment of Christian involvement in politics that there could possibly be. I mean, outside of just sheer idolatry, right? We've learned to fear our neighbor and to hate them. We've learned to name call and to label. We've learned out of our fear to build walls and to find teams and to find tribes. And we have so, we are, we've lost our saltiness, you know? And, um, you know, it's, it's shocking to me how much as a, of our world fuels this and is fueled by it, right? If we didn't, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's people who log on Twitter and just say, okay, what are we going to be outraged about today? Um, and there's this phrase outrage porn, you know, that's out there. It's just like, there's <laughs> so much to be angry at. There's so much to be angry at. And, um, and so I, I just want to offer a couple of thoughts you know, as, cause I, as one who is so guilty, um, and, and the goal, remember Jesus, what Jesus says here is he get, he says like in angering, you'll be subject to judgment, but then he gives two remedies, assuming you're going to screw this up. Right. Right. <laughs> so go be reconciled and make friends, right? Don't let judgment have its way here. And I think that's the part that's missing, you know, is the admission that I that that we're wrong, the admission that our candidates aren't perfect, the admission that the other side may have something true to say, the admission that um, neither candidate is fully good or fully evil. I mean, all of that sort of nuance. Um, it's just there's nowhere for it in our politics today. And so here where we sit and we look at this political entity called the kingdom where um <laughs> where if you're really poor in spirit and broken i mean anger has no place and if we are angry because there are times and there are things to be angry at no question that's i think that's part of our image bearing you know when you see what's being done to the world in the name of progress when you see what's being done to children in the name of sexual consumerism when you see right when you see how um the how deep seated the race and racism conversations are i mean there is much to repent but the the thing about the people of the kingdom is they look inward first right um on any of these issues and Jesus is going to get to that. That's where he's just getting warmed up. He's going to like, no, play, you're going to pray for those who are your enemies. You're going to bless them. You're, you're, you're going to get insulted. And what you're going to do is return good. That's what you're going to do. And, and if, you're, if you're brokenhearted and you're merciful and you're meek, yeah, you can do that. Um, because you're, you've actually come to the place where you've abandoned life on your terms, right? And you're now, 
you're now looking at this Jesus saying, I want to live like that. I want to be like that. Yeah. But otherwise, this makes no sense because it's not pragmatic. It's not pragmatic. So, Dad Gummit, just a couple of thoughts. <laughs> oh, and, and, and I found, I find myself so guilty of this. And I hate it. I hate repenting publicly. I really was hoping to talk about how lame people are. Because I can make fun of, of, and be angry at the Christians who are so polluting our witness, collective witness for Jesus. And then there's this voice that's just like, really? <laughs> I mean, let, uh, you want to talk about polluting? Let's just, let's, let's just sit, sit and look at you. And he does yeah. this not to curse or to shame. No, 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 no. But there's a humility that comes from this that allows me to engage in such a healthier place. So uh, David Brooks identified something in an article that for the last election. He called it the siege mentality. That our group, our tribe, we are under siege. And um, the, the, there was a study done that I find absolutely fascinating. That um, Yale law professor, Amy Chua, I think was her name, um, was making the case that every group, white, black, gay, straight, every conservative, progressive, rich, poor, every single group felt collectively victimized. Mm. And because of their collective victimization could not acknowledge victimizing the victimization of any other group. And so there, the siege mentality um, carries with it a collective sense of victimhood. We are being persecuted. Right. And that fosters, he says, a very collective pessimism. Things are bad now, but they're going to freaking get worse. This is this is the election for our children. And, and I've heard that every election since I can remember paying attention. This is the most <laughs> right. important election of our lifetime. So there's the shared there's a shared victimhood. There's a shared pessimism. There's a shared um, sense that cultural power is a zero sum game. If another group wins, we lose. No middle ground. And there's such a beauty that comes from the siege mentality. Like it's very attractive because it's very motivating for people. It provides clarity. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? It provides nobility, right? We're in the right and we're being persecuted for it. Um, it gives, I love this line from Brooks. It gives people a narrative to express their own superiority. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so good. That's a laugh, not in mockery, but in, oh man, that's so true. Yes. And, and, I, and I, because I was a coach, because I played sports and love sports, the siege mentality is the best way to motivate teams. Right. The world's against us. No one gave us a chance. No one believed in us, man, except the men in this locker room. Right? That's right. the siege mentality. And it's great. Yeah. And it works. And it raises money. <laughs> um, and it is so self-destructive and antithetical to the kingdom. So it's like, <sighs> we have to war against that. So collective victimhood, we are persecuted. Well, maybe some of us are. I mean, followers of Jesus in other parts of the world genuinely are persecuted. 
Whether or not we can gather in church because of a pandemic, I don't think qualifies, but some people think that. Yeah. But what we have to fight against is the idea that somehow um, everyone else is out to get us. You cannot love and serve your neighbor while distrusting, fearing, and labeling them. Right. You just cannot. And so, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm off my notes. Um, there was a, there was a study done, uh, where they studied if catharsis, if letting your anger out actually helped. Right. And the, the, the universal conclusion was, um, decades of experimental research have found exactly the opposite. When people vent their feelings aggressively, they often feel worse and make themselves angrier. That's... uh... That's tough because you also do read how much harboring and holding yes just physically destroys you and mentally yeah. destroys you. Like, so the, are those just, the only two options for people of the kingdom? Right. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, the research found catharsis was a total flop in terms of making people <laughs> feel better. Anger feeds anger. Thumos yeah. becomes orge. Right. So I don't know, man, maybe, maybe it's just best to kind of let ourselves all be indicted. No, for sure. I think that's absolutely a huge piece of it. And to say, if we, if, if the kingdom of God fought against the anger in our own hearts and the, the contempt in our own hearts, I don't know. It it seems like a lot would follow from that. That's good. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, obviously, right? This is not the only time that that is referenced by Jesus of just like, check check here first before you go check there, right? There's a, that's a common, oh, yeah. a common theme with him. But it's, I mean, this is all very, very convicting for me. Obviously, I've been talking about how angry I am for the last like five or six episodes. That doesn't even count how angry I was prior to that. I just didn't talk about it. <laughs> It's difficult because I see those things that Jesus was rebuking uh, and I see that stuff in modern day and it's hard to, it's hard to, I see the tribalism. I see how the anger forces us into, like we said earlier, echo chambers are just a bunch of like-minded people on one side of a fence and a bunch of like-minded people on the other side of the fence yelling at each other and nothing coming from that except for a bigger fence or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to pursue that analogy. And I think of this guy with the KKK and uh, how little anger was involved in his uh, pursuit of all these men. And I think about MLK and the him going and marching over the bridge because he knew that showing people solidarity in, in a nonviolent way, and it worked, and it changed the course of the conversation about race and civil rights and brought a bunch of white pastors into the conversation who had previously been opposed to um, desegregating like I, I see it I see these peaceful versions of all this stuff that are effective and drive out anger and stuff it's just very difficult because I feel very angry and and, and I want to say that's that's not entirely bad I, I think the, the the thirst for justice is true and good right um I I think we should feel angry at a lot. And I mean, there were times when, um, uh, you know, 
like uh, Peter confronted or Paul confronted Peter and it didn't sound super gracious. (laughs) (laughs) So the issue isn't disagreeing, right? We're going to, and we have to, the church has to serve a prophetic function in itself. There have, there have to be people who speak up and rebuke, right? right? And and the Bible makes all sorts of provisions for this. When you correct another, take those log out of your own eye first. Yeah. Or Paul even says in Galatians, do so gently, lest yeah. you might fall under the same temptation, right? It assumes, it assumes, the whole thing assumes it's going to be messy and ugly. Um, and that's why we're all in process. Yes, yes, yes. The issue isn't whether or not we disagree, but it's how we disagree. Yeah. Can I disagree with my tribe in a way that doesn't demonize them? Can I disagree with my tribe in a way that doesn't, uh, that doesn't cause me to mock them? or to stop praying for them, or to stop seeking God's blessing for them. That's the point. That's the goal. The goal is not to just sit and be passive and let anger consume you. The goal is, yes, be angry, but let that anger lead to redemption and blessing and healing and mercy and to conduct ourselves. Because there is so much that is wrong with me. And if it weren't for people who called me on stuff, man, I, I don't know where I'd be, right? Yeah. So that it can be done. It's just that it's just that we only know one way to do it, and that is the partisan way that conforms to the pattern of the world. And Jesus is saying, "Nope, you can actually, um, you can actually be a person in my kingdom, have feelings of anger, and and have that lead to something that isn't perpetually destructive." Well, the interesting thing is too, and we don't have to talk about this because it's a whole different can of worms, and we've already been going for a while, but. Um, this idea that that he uses judgment on murder and anger, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and with the anger conversation and that judgment being there, there's a recon- there's a there's a real time reconciliation to judgment. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. so it, it really cha- it like opens up a whole can of worms on judgment. That's and right. That's really fascinating. When it feeds into what Jesus will say in chapter seven. With whatever measure you use to judge, it will be measured to you. Hmm. Judgment always boomerangs, always. Yeah. Um, and so, so we and I—I I mean, obviously, I am at the top of the list of people who need to work on this. But um, and I never want to hide that. I never want to hide my own, you know, uh, imperfection or whatever, even if I could. Um, but, but there's also a sense that I feel more energized to be engaged if I can do it in a way that doesn't demonize and express contempt. Now, yeah. um, so you go back to the angering I did. Um, uh, that needs to be repented of. So I need to, so I do need to do work where I'm, I'm sitting and I'm reflecting and I'm praying and I'm, I'm working through that um, for sure. Because what I want to say to people who believe some of these conspiracy theories is that you're, I think they're falling prey to pretty big, egregious errors. Yeah. But it's like Shauna and our critiquer said earlier, when you, when you do that in a way that props up self-righteousness and hypocrisy, you've, just, you've lost any chance you can to be, to be heard. And Jesus right. was a master at saying something um, <laughs> in a way that you could not miss or dismiss so easily. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, let's just let it sit here. I, I, um, 
it's so funny. I was super nervous about this one because I wanted it to be so good. It's so relevant. And it's, I'm just kind of sitting here going, eh, I don't know. I'm an ass and I need, uh, I need <laughs> Jesus. And there's a lot that's good about me. And I'm glad for that too. But like this one, oof. This was transparency topics, like innately in the topic itself. And then from a, from a, like a conversational standpoint, it also has to be, I think it's better. This is a better suited conversation with us repenting than it is with us, uh, just telling people how not to be angry (laughs) buttheads. Oh, (laughs) angry buttheads. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, our friends, Hey, we, there were a couple questions we were going to get to. We don't have time for, um, so we'll, we'll get to those, um, uh, maybe in another episode because they were really, really good. And they were about conspiracy theories. And, uh, one was, one was, you know, kind of saying that we're, uh, I am too hard on Republicans and not hard enough on progressives and whatever, which is great. I love to talk about all that stuff. Um, but I tell you, thank you, and and uh, please receive our, please receive my apology. Uh, I'll do better. I will, um, but I don't want to do better to please you. I want to do better because I want to be more like Jesus, and um, I don't. I want to be so mature that I'm able to engage in these really hard topics with grace, yep. and joy, and kindness, and still think people are wrong um, because they are. Um, no, I mean, I'm just, that was a throwaway comment, but you know what I'm saying? Anyway, Tim, last words. Nope. (laughs) All right. So just imagine a world where the, where the Jesus followers put aside anger, contempt, and the siege mentality and engage the world as people who believe the story has a good ending. And that good ending has already come forward into the present in the form of Jesus of Nazareth. And we are privileged to begin to align ourselves with, with the kind of world where the injustice that we see isn't anymore, where the anger and the cancer and the ugly and all of that, um, is taken care of. And so, uh, it would be amazing. Um, that that kind of community, I think the proper name for that is a church. Mm. Um, and um, that's that's a church that bears witness to the kingdom. So so all right, here's one thing we can all do. Let's apologize more. Let's just let's just start there. Let's just deal. Let's stop just to, like let's be angry and we'll screw it up and let's just apologize more. We'll just say, yep, wrong, not fit for the kingdom. That's what we'll call Christian. Our anger isn't Christian. But the Christian part is, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I screwed up. And then doing the hard work to try not to do it again, oh. or at least make some of those small changes each time. Yep. Well, that's, that's where, repentance, right? That's re- changing your posture and moving the opposite direction. Yeah. It's the log in the spec. Log in the spec, baby. So it's all yeah. the hard work of, of where I screw up and acknowledge and live in humility before God and my community and then I can go and critique somebody. Yeah. You know? So anyway. All right, friends. Well, that's enough therapy with Mike and Tim. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Wear your freaking masks. And, um... You Especially know. in California, we've got more reason now. Yeah. And Tim's mask, just by the way, fits a lot better. That's true. It's a lot <laughs> less sweaty underneath. <laughs> All right, friends. Till next time. Thank you.
thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxpodcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash voxpodcast, on Instagram at voxpodcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.